This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. On today's podcast, Ryan and I had the pleasure of speaking with Ryan Griggs, a good friend of mine who has recently launched an organic cotton-based clothing brand called The Regenesons. Ryan is trying to fill the gap with USA-made organic clothing that's standing for the right message, and that is regenerative agriculture. This is a really fun conversation with my good friend Ryan and co-host Ryan about the issues with our clothing system, the issues with our food system, and the mindset around a lot of woke companies. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Decentralized Radio. Today, we have Ryan Griggs on the line. What's up, Ryan? How are you doing, fellas? Highly anticipated conversation for today. And we have our other Ryan, our lovely co-host. How's it going? I'm so excited. Got two Ryans on here. All the Ryans sporting this. I feel like we actually even out the Ryans because there's always got to have one Ryan with a stash. And uh, if you can't see him in the audio version, but Griggs is, is rocking this thing. It looks beautiful. I know you've had it, but like I haven't seen you in person. So yeah. it, it, it's great. Ryan might be the most popular name that we've had on this podcast. I don't know. We've had at least a few, including obviously you. So, But awesome. So... Crazy year for you, Ryan. Um, I think it's uh, going super well right now with, with the new brand, uh, Regenesance. We'll have to discuss that. But, you know, I guess the starting point is always something good to know, you know, how you got so passionate about health, about regenerative agriculture, about kind of making a difference in the community and finding gaps that needed to be filled. So, yeah, I guess walk our, our listeners through maybe, you know, a pretty powerful story of, of why you're so passionate about, you know, these things. Yeah. So, yeah, this year has definitely been insane, but so have the previous two years. So well, I guess you can even take it further back than that, just going back to the start of the pandemic. So this was around March or April of 2020. And uh, I used to work at, at IBM coming from a tech background. And I received news that my brother had stage three colon cancer. And that was just right off the bat. Um, it wasn't stage one or stage two, right as soon as I got the call that it was stage three. So that was always in the back of my head for most of 2020. And I knew that if that had ever progressed to stage four, that I would be going back home and being his caretaker because he was the most important person in my life for sure. And he's always had a, a massive impact on my life. So fast forward to December of that same year of 2020, I received the awful news that it had progressed to stage four. So I decided to take the first six months off of 2021 to go back home and be his caretaker and essentially watch cancer torture him to literally death on June 11th. It was actually three days before his 33rd birthday uh, that, yeah, I watched him pass away. So that obviously destroyed my whole life pretty much. Um, I quit my job. I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do, but I just... I just felt like I was just existing really in life. I was numb to everything. I had really bad PTSD that took me up until the last few months to realize just how bad of PTSD I had from that. And not knowing, yeah, like I was saying, what to do, I was actually using Twitter a lot to 
really just learn and unlearn a lot of things because also at that time I was vegan. I was vegan for two and a half years and Twitter really woke me up to realizing just how wrong I was with that. I mean, it comes down to we need animal protein and animal foods to, to survive and thrive as humans. Um, and as I was going through all of that, I was trying different things here and there. I know you guys talk about Bitcoin. I've been huge into Bitcoin. was thinking I could go in that avenue, but realized I just want that as a, I guess, a hobby per se and not something that I wanted to pursue the rest of my life. And then I started thinking about health, going back to everything I'd just gone through. And that's whenever I heard about regenerative agriculture. And this was around February of the following year of 2022. I didn't know what the heck that was. And seeing that on Twitter, seeing Ashley from Rizoma Field School tweet about it, that really clicked for me. It made so much sense because I had never thought about where food comes from. I'd been so disconnected my whole entire life. I think the only time I've ever been on a farm was probably in grade school for some field trip that doesn't even really matter or really play a part into any of that. So I was trying to figure out, okay, now that I realize that I want to do something with agriculture, what exactly could be doing for that? So I started traveling quite a bit and visited some farms and then realized, yeah, I wanted to work on some farms. And this was around August or September. I was using Woofing, which is a WWOOF, which stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. And essentially, it's an awesome organization. It's a global organization to where in exchange for your labor, you get housing and food. And you can stay just for one day or for example, for me, I stayed for two and a half months on this rural farm in Pennsylvania. And that was a crazy experience because like I was saying, I had never been on a farm really, yet alone really work on one. And that made me realize that's where I wanted to be. Um, seeing how all the food's grown and then actually working the, the farmer's markets and talking to the people that actually buy the produce and just hearing them rave about all of that. Um, that's what I continued, wanted to continue to do. So fast forward again to this year of January of pretty much the end of January, I was supposed to start on a bison ranch in Montana. And it was actually right after I was with Tristan, I had this awful health scare myself to where I was in Boise, Idaho the week before this, it was literally a week before I was supposed to start on this next ranch. I had my own near death experience. I ended up in ER and I knew the quickest way to get into a gastro to really figure out what the heck was going on was to go back to Austin, Texas. And so while I was recovering through that, I had an idea for this apparel brand that's still related to everything that I've been doing and was planning to do in the future. Um, but then also, as all this has been going on the last couple of years, my mom was also really sick as well. She was forced to retire from her health, I think, in fall of 2018. And that was the first time I realized things were starting to get pretty bad for her. So while I was taking care of my brother, I was also taking care of my mother. She was pretty much bedridden. She could only really move upstairs. She barely went downstairs, barely was outside. And that was also extremely tough too. So again, fast forward to May. I had a launch date of May 28th for my brand. And it was actually Mother's Day that hit me like a train wreck because I realized that I had suppressed everything with my mom. Uh, I mean, I had just started to finally get better with all my brother stuff that took a few years to really overcome that. And here comes along just another wave of, of things with my mom because I knew she was getting really worse really quick too. So I knew her, her time was coming to an end soon. 
And so I could barely function or do any work with my brand. All I was trying to do was just get it out there and get the launch date and making sure that that runs. So it was yeah May 28th, which is a Sunday, which was the Memorial Day weekend. That Friday, she texted me asking about my website, which I found strange because growing up, she's always the one that called and texted me pretty much every day. But as she, I guess, cognitively declined, she stopped doing all that. So I had to be the one reaching out to her. And so that's why I thought that was kind of strange that she she texted me that. I was obviously happy and sent that to her. But then fast forward to that Sunday, my brand launched at 12 p.m. Central Time. And it was around 4 p.m. I was on my way to my friend's cookout that my aunt called. And I knew right away what that meant because we talk in person, but I don't remember the last time she called me. So I knew that it meant that my mom passed and that's what happened. And so that really, uh, but that was really tough too. Um, it was arguably worse seeing her in the condition that she was in than seeing her in a casket. But that also made me realize, again, I'm out where I need to be with what I'm doing for Renaissance and agriculture. And essentially, a lot of the things that you guys value and talk about, that's what their Renaissance is about. And that's why I'm so passionate is my world came to a crashing halt so fast to where I've lost two thirds of my family in three years now. I've seen how it's affected my dad. And I can only imagine as a father seeing your, your son die from cancer and Unfortunately, it's a common thing. I mean, it's only getting worse and worse in America. You look around, we're outliers now, which is insane to say. Um, whenever you go to Europe, it's way different. It's slowly getting worse too everywhere, picking up with where the West is. But not a, not enough people are doing things to try to change this. Um, I've gotten a lot of comments too from people saying it's kind of a lost cause because so many people are stuck in their ways, which I do believe a lot of people are. But 75 to 80% of America is so unhealthy. If you can target even 1% of that, that's still millions of people. And so that's why I'm so passionate about it because I don't think about just the people that are alive, but their future families. You you pass down all that knowledge to your kids. So whenever you see a, a, a fat kid, you assume that their parents are even more unhealthy. And that's always true. And so I really want to break that generational chain. And I mean, essentially what you guys are doing too, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, I think everything you said there is super important. I find your story really compelling and you're sort of, I don't want to say you're one of the rare cases, but in some sense you, you are because you saw these situations and you didn't go into it with the defeatist attitude, which is what I feel I see happen most commonly or go into it feeling like you have no control over destiny. And I think that's sort of, in a sense, we talk a lot about systems here on the podcast but i feel like that's sort of if you look at a thirty thousand foot view of our upbringing like in school and all this stuff you you kind of feel like you have on one side you have like this american dream picture and then on the other side you have like this wow all these things are against us and so really i just got to stay in my lane and if my lane isn't medicine i'm not going to try and learn anything about health because that's not unless that's my field i'm not going to go into that lane and so it's really easy for, I think, especially older generations to sort of take some of those things just straight on from their doctor, be told they have this X thing, they take this pill for X. And that's sort of where their their story ends with that. And it slowly kind of goes downhill over time. Yeah. Um, I think two things. One thing I wanted to ask you really, though, was more of a mindset perspective, because you were taking care of your brother. 
simultaneously you had to take care of your mom and you had all this stuff going on around you, it would be really easy to, after having your brother pass away or even in the middle of it, be like, man, I mean, I know you had this mindset shift, but what did it take to get there for you? Because I feel like everyone in those situations and even in your own health stuff, which is mine and Tristan's stories and now yours too, is sort of, you kind of get to this fork in a road and you basically have two decisions you can make. You basically can let it consume you and roll with that, or you can use it as some sort of positive feedback and make changes that hopefully are positive. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about how you made that mindset shift um, to choose your path, because the path I think us three have chosen is probably the path of most resistance as far as like career path, um, health path. Like we're kind of doing all these things like on our own. And of course we found community, but it's, I think it's a harder one to get yourself to moving forward on. So I'd love to hear about how you made that shift for yourself in a positive, positive action. Yeah. So I guess going back to pretty much shortly after my brother died, I had really bad issues with weed and I had switched back from being vegan to eating meat. So essentially all I was doing for, I don't know, I'd say three or four months after he died, I didn't, I was a zombie. I barely did anything outside from about 5 p.m. until about 5 a.m. I was just smoking weed and playing video games and just escaping, just trying to, again, numb myself. Because also, um, I was just ha- I had really bad nightmares from everything. I just wake up just covered in sweat, heart racing, and just anxiety to just max essentially. And so that's also why I was smoking weed is just so I wouldn't dream. And it was actually Twitter that saved my life for everything because so many incredible people were just sharing their stories, overcoming the things that they went through as well. And there's just so many niches of Twitter too. It's so amazing. So I'd be following, for example, mindset. There'd be a lot of guys like Zach Hummel that would just talk about mindset and how they go about everything. So that kind of got the wheel spinning for me because actually I know we talk about, I should say us three, but also Twitter talks about going on walks a lot. So that was actually the first thing that I started to implement into my daily, I wouldn't say routine because again, I didn't, my days were just all over the place. That was something I made sure I would do was go outside and, and just get walks, go outside in nature. Because I, I had always enjoyed hiking and whatnot before everything, but I didn't do it to the to the extent that I do now. And that made me realize, okay, now I love being outside, um, seeing the benefits of sunlight and actually grounding. But it took a long time. I still have my struggles with, with my mindset just because... Um, just because of everything that I've gone through, it's still sometimes it, it is. You mentioned saying the path of most resistance. It's very true. That's why I was doing what I was doing, because having to face everything I'd gone through head on is extremely difficult. So why not just smoke and forget about it for some time being? And that's what I kept doing. But then I would think about everything I had just gone through and realized I would just be pissing on my brother's grave after everything that he just he wanted to live more than anything and anyone. And I wanted that as well. So obviously I can't change that. And I can't change the fact that my mom's gone either. So what better way to honor, not just them, but everyone in my bloodline that got me here by just trying to make something out of my life. I didn't know again what that was, but that was the biggest shift. And as well as realizing that I can't play victim. I was feeling really sorry for myself at that time. And 
I also isolated myself socially from that because of it. But then once I realized I can really, it's my life and it's up for the taking. And again, that's what Twitter really would harp on about. And it worked. It really did. I audited everything in my life. That was the biggest thing too. I realized I had this uh, opportunity pretty much of a lifetime. I mean, taking out of the equation of everything I saw, I withdrew my 401k. So I had enough money to where I could go a year plus figuring out my life. So I audited the people I talked to, everything I consume, what I do on a day-to-day basis. And I began writing things down to try to change that. And slowly but surely, that's pretty much how I got to where I am now was just making those small changes and also just being honest with myself because we know deep down the things that we need to face, but the things that we don't face is what controls us. And so I guess that's the long-winded answer of yeah, how I got to where I'm at now is just trying to face everything head on and knowing that I, I made so many mistakes and so many setbacks and so many days where I, I just wanted to give up, but I kept going to that fleeting thought of my legacy, but also just everything I'd gone through with my brother. I just did not want to disrespect that. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you really enjoy this podcast, it would be really appreciated if you left us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or subscribe to our content on YouTube. This helps us get to a larger reach and a larger audience to spread this wonderful free education. No, I, I, I just, I'll let uh, Tristan actually jump in after my quick comment here. I just have to, I just want to say, I really honor your, your, I really respect your vulnerability with us because that's not easy to sort of like spill out all, all those emotions that you've had over like accumulated amount of years. But I feel like the wisdom you've gained from it is very valuable from a listener's perspective. And it really reminded me too of things that even have recently been going on with me. I mean, I've been going to, I've been uh, trying different forms of therapy, like some EMDR and like breath work stuff and really trying to get at the roots of like some of my inner traumas to like release this tension. Cause I feel like we hold on to so many of these things. And like mm-hmm. you said, it's sort of like the, the path of least resistance is no action and it's like numbing it. And I think we all have done it too at one point or another, but you really come to, like I said, that crossroads. I think everyone comes to it where you make that final decision of like which direction you're going to take. And it's, it's really cool to hear your story of, of continual overcoming of, of, of these challenges. And like you said, though, what I really like what you said is like, it's still continual growth. Like you still struggle with mindset at times. And that's something I want people to really take away because I don't think anyone ever has it perfect, but you, you gain the tools to learn to jump these hurdles as they come. And so I just want people to know, cause I feel like it's easy for people to look at success stories and be like, I want to be at the end, but they need to remember all the work that's gone on over years of time for these individuals to even get them to where they are now posting about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's really important for people to like know where they are at and know the steps they need to take to get there. And it was great that you had that backbone of, of sort of a income so that you could step back and really focus on it. That's something that I did for myself. Actually, I lucked out because it was during COVID. So everything shut down anyways. So mm-hmm. I basically couldn't work anyways. And so I had like the six, seven months to basically really just reflect. Um, so I think it's good, even if people don't have that safety net to like just quit and like do nothing but focus on reflection and planning and all this stuff to take the time you have on weekends or after work and really use that time not to like numb it up, smoke weed and play video games, which I've done, but uh, to 
really think about who do I want to be and give yourself a little credit. I think people have so much value that they don't see in themselves, but if they give a little reflection to it, they'll see that, man, I have all this knowledge that I can share with people or I can use to learn. And I think you just need to have that curiosity uh, within yourself. And I think you, everyone can have a huge growth mindset, but I'll, I'll let Tristan jump in so that I don't just rail off for the next hour. <laughs> no, I mean, this all the, all the great points have been made and I mean, it's inspiring, right? Like you, you're in this hole and then you feel so alone. You feel like, you know, how could this happen to me? You know, this is unfair. Life's unfair. But then you realize and, and you, you hear other people's story. And this is why I think sharing stories and experiences are so valuable and, and listening to Ryan's story. It's, I mean, it's inspirational, right? Cause like I can't even fathom like experiencing the things you, you have and then pulling yourself out of it and, you know, becoming like successful and pursuing the things that you love with the passion that you do, you know, this is what it's all about. This is life. But the more you connect with like-minded people, the more you realize, you know, it's, it's common. And, but like Ryan, um, my co-host said, it's, uh, it's uncommon to take that harder path of more resistance because yeah, it is way easier just to, you know, sit back and be the victim of your life. But at the end of the day, you can control what you can control. So you can use it to make yourself or to break yourself. And, and that's what it's all about. And, and it's really exactly what you said, you know, how do you want to be remembered and how do you want your family to remember you? And you have the ultimate motivation then to succeed if, if you want to leave a legacy behind. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's really empowering for people to hear this because everyone's dealing with shit, right? Like you go through and there's a huge spectrum and a lot of people are more fortunate or less fortunate than others, but everyone is capable of greatness. You just have to be willing to, you know, see that in yourself and know that your life is 100% up to your control. And that's, you know, that's what it's all about. So I'm curious, uh, you know, the steps. So, so you kind of quit your job, which is also empowering, um, props to you. Cause I still haven't done that, but, um, then you kind of got into this farming space. So I guess what I really respect about you is you, you really just like jump, you just dive into shit and it's like full go. And, and that's a great way to learn. Like people kind of yeah. tiptoe around and, and I've done that too. It's like, you know, you don't know if you're ready to fully commit, but, but you really dive into things. And I think you've learned so much from doing that and how had amazing experiences. So I guess starting on kind of like the farming side of things, you know, how, how did that go? And is, is that something that like shaped your mindset or helped shape that mindset um, a little more or, or gave you like a fresh perspective on really how hard a lot of this work is? Yeah. So before that, I'll actually talk about, cause you were saying how I just dove in head first and I realized, again, this is one of the things that I reflected on my whole life, my mental and like my mindset and how I saw life, I would say, was ahead of the game compared to most people. But then my actions didn't back that up because I was such a coward in a lot of ways. So if you remember the movie Elf, the escalator scene to where one foot is way up and one foot's back, that was like my whole life. And I just was so sick of doing that. That's exactly why I, the last couple of years I just dove head first because once you do that and then you just learn more and more, then it, I, I wouldn't say it's easier every time you do it, but you just know 
you're going to learn so much. So why not do that? And so that's exactly why I was just trying things and just going head first because I was just so sick of not doing that. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I just want to comment, like, I think it's really valuable. And, and especially when you're young, like, you know, we're all you know in our 20s. And it's like, you can just try shit out. Like, what do you have to lose? Like, if you, you know, commit like three to six months to really like trying something, A, you, you're going to learn a ton. Um, you probably, I mean, success, what is the measure of success? If you just learn a ton, that's successful right there. And, you know, you don't have any dependence or anything. So you have this inherent ability to take risks and, you know, not have everything on the line while you're young. So a hundred percent and you're never going to find out unless you try. So I just kind of wanted to add that in there, yeah. especially if you're like, you know, our age or younger listening to this, it's, you know, this is the time to learn and make mistakes. Yeah. And, and you gain a lot more confidence about yourself and you just also, understanding more about how you are as a person too. But going back to that farm question, (laughs) it opened up my eyes to just how much work goes into it. And I'd say the biggest thing that I learned, which I kind of knew going in was how intuitive and just smart the farmers are. I mean, it's not just, you're not just a farmer, you're a carpenter, you're a mechanic, you're a veterinarian. So that's my biggest issue with what most people think of farmers too. They think of uneducated hicks and they have this huge bad rep about it and that's just could not be further from the truth for example there was one time where we had to corral the pigs just to i think there's about 15 or 20 of them and we were trying to get the three or four fattest to ship off to be butchered and there were about five or six of us trying to corral them and it wasn't working and there was a couple times where he just quickly made changes and they worked and that just happened time and time again from the farm, just how quick thinking he was. And he, I mean, he grew up on a farm, his family bloodline have huge generations of farmers. So that was awesome to see. I think the biggest thing too, is you really don't have days off. I mean, you have a lot less work on some days, but you still have to, I mean, the animals, you have to take care of them somehow. And so Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, you'd still be out there. But at the same time, it's also amazing because you're outside the whole time. It, I, I would take that any day out of the week over being cooped up in a huge building, office building under blue light all day and pointless meetings that you hate. Uh, and then just being out in nature. It's so – it's hard to describe outside. It's very spiritual because I was not – I was agnostic when my brother died and actually working in – agriculture brought me back to just questioning everything and actually now to where I'm a Christian again. And I would have just never guessed that ever happening, especially after something like cancer happening. Usually you would think that that would go the opposite way of why would God do that? So I guess I'm going everywhere with this, but we worked pretty much six days out of the week and we had a little break. There was four farmer's markets Thursday through Saturday, which I eventually became the farmer's market guy, which was really cool. Because I wasn't there from the beginning of planting the produce or whenever we first got the animals, but I still helped pick the produce and was helping rotate the animals and whatnot and helped with butchering. But then working the farmer's markets and having these awesome conversations with those folks, again, just talking about how grateful they are for all the hard work that we were doing, comparing that just to the store-bought food that they try not to buy anymore, and talking about the actual quality and how much different it is. It makes everything so rewarding, fulfilling, because I know like Jason Rick, for example, they just talk about there's no more fulfilling work than than being the 
at the head of food production because without food, we don't exist. So that adds to just with how difficult the work is at the end of the day, it's still so worth it because I see the stress. I was only one of the workers. I didn't own the farm. I wasn't in the debt that they had. I wasn't working as a family and a, a, a husband and a father while also trying to take care of this gigantic farm. And so there's a lot of stress with that. And that again, makes me just gain much more respect for all of the farmers and ranchers that are, are doing that because you make a lot of sacrifices especially in today's society with technology to where you could get an easy virtual assistant gig for $15, $20 an hour, and you can just sit inside all day, or you can be scraping by, have a lot of debt, but then you're also outside providing the food for your community and making a difference. So that really opened up my eyes to, to that as well. Just questioning what I value, especially from a financial standpoint. I mean, I know I kind of transitioned to now I have an apparel brand, but at the end of the day, I'm for sure starting my own ranch down the road because I want to raise my family on a ranch and give them that experience that I, I didn't have that most people don't have anymore. Because I saw those kids and how they uh, pretty much interacted because they were five, three and one, I believe. And just a totally different experience to anything I've seen and how much they loved it. And yeah, that's something I, I would love for my future kids. Are you interested in 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison meat? I'm excited to be a partner with Falls Family Ranches. Based in Wyoming, Falls Family Ranches is raising high-quality bison meat the way nature intended. As a native large ruminant of North America, bison is one of the most nutrient-dense foods you can consume. If you're interested in trying out their bison boxes, use code TRISTAN, T-R-I-S-T-A-N, 10, for 10% off your first order. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think people really think about that too much. It's like you mentioned sort of you, you that. I mean, there's a lot of directions we could actually take this because like, I, and I don't want to get too much into say the food system aspect of it per se, we maybe can later. But um, people just we live in such a we talk about a lot, but we live in like that sort of convenience culture. And so like the idea of that cushy, whatever VA office position or whatever it is, is appealing. I have really interesting conversations with my brother because we're similar in age, three years different. He's 24, I'm 27. But um, we have a completely different view on the life we want to live. His is very much in sort of the standard paradigm of, okay, just graduated college. I want to get a good paying job so that at 65, I can retire and do what I want to do. <laughs> so it's a really interesting mind. And mine is like, I want to shift through my experiences obviously i want to shift really everything to fit the lifestyle i want to live now so that i don't need to wait for whatever the perfect version of life is i feel like we have a good uh, and i and you i'm sure you've done this for years too like you mentioned the elf analogy was really good i relate to that really heavily because for years i'd be like i have this vision of where i want to be but i'll just start doing it tomorrow or i'll start doing it like next week and then it just you keep pushing it back and so I finally hit a point recently where it's like, I got to start taking action on blah, 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 and just like got to quit certain things and take the hit and like start pursuing what I actually want to do. But I think people, like you said, really need to decide for themselves the lifestyle they want to live. And that's the difference between someone who maybe is a rancher their whole life versus someone that is like my brother who wants to get a good position and retires. They're, they're really in it for the lifestyle. We're in it for the lifestyle. And 
that's the decision you need to make, I think. Because if you're in it for the lifestyle, all the baggage that comes with it is just part of the journey and you're, you're kind of down. And so I, I find that part to be a very valuable decision that people have to make. I kind of do want to ask you, though, like what brought you from these concepts to apparel? Not that everyone doesn't need clothes and your clothes are very awesome. I, yeah. Tristan, I think when we were in person doing in-person interviews when I was up in Wyoming, I think he wore your shirt every single day. <laughs> I don't think he changed shirts. Um, so that he was mad repping in a lot of podcasts. I'm either wearing no shirt or those shirts. So. That's, yeah, awesome. that's, just, that's the getting, that's free exposure. Really just remember, it's getting really hot out here, so it's more and more no shirts unless I have to like walk inside a store or something. God forbid. Also, I will just say let's let's kind of get and do like how you conceptualize like the branding, the branding yeah. name because I think it's beautiful, and also just like why apparel? Why were you drawn there? Yeah. So I guess I'll say leading up to starting the brand because so like I was saying, I had this ranch that I was starting in Montana pretty much at the end of January. And I was going to just be sharing everything I'm doing there on Twitter, eventually making YouTube and had a lot of opportunity or not opportunities. I had a lot of ideas I wanted to do for Substack and I was going to be on there for three months. And then after that, I had three farms lined up in Italy that I was actually going to be farming next month, technically, for the rest of the year. And then I was just going to travel the world to different farms and continue pretty much videotaping a lot of that stuff, but also doing interviews and conversations and whatnot with farmers and ranchers. And the whole point of that was really to, A, educate everyone on just agriculture, and especially from a global perspective, and B, was just to bridge that gap because it's such a wide gap. Whenever we talk about uh, convenience, whenever you go to a restaurant, that's probably the fifth or sixth touch point. Whenever you got your food, you don't think about where it came from at all. You don't care. And so I really wanted to, I guess, raise awareness for all that through, through actually being on the field, but then also just, yeah, just making videos and pictures of that. So I was just going for a walk while I was recovering from my amazing time in Boise, Idaho in the hospital. And the pop, the thought just popped in my head. I could potentially do something with those same goals in mind with an apparel brand. So I just started doing some research and realizing there's really no apparel like this at all. In terms of agriculture, they have the farms and whatnot that have their own brands, but that's really all the apparel there is. Some of the other stuff looks really bad, just like the 90s, uh, like the deer hunting arcade game art style, which is fine, but just not modern at all. So I was thinking, okay, maybe I could really make something modern out of this. I love bison, and I know Tristan does because that's whenever I was with him in, in January, we were at the National Bison Conference. And so I just made some quick mock-ups. I didn't actually know what to call it, but I knew that I had the key principles down, which is knowing your ranchers and farmers, going to farmers markets, developing those relationships, having that nutrient, high-quality food, educating around all of that too, but then also not just the diet, taking the holistic approach that I know you guys talk to so many different people. So exercise, sunlight, movement, sleep, stress, all those important factors that play into our health long term. I wanted to make this about all of that because, again, I we have the agriculture sector. We have the fitness, health and everything. There's not really huge connection behind all that. So I'm trying to connect all that together through apparel brand. And I was not smart enough to come up with the term Regenesance. It was actually my friend Case last year. We were about to start a podcast and he came up with that. 
And that, again, just came up to my head, and that made so much sense. So regenesance, it takes regenerative. So regenerative agriculture, which is, I know you guys have talked about that and have had people on that are actually in that field, which is becoming a much bigger thing, which is amazing. But also just regenerate as a whole, regenerating your, your body and your health because our bodies are so resilient and can heal within. And then re- renaissance. So there's a lot that goes into that too. The renaissance of going back to how we used to eat. You see Liver King just exploded on the scene. And now a lot of people talk about organ meats and just eating nose to tail using tallow. I mean, there's so many tallow skincare products now. It's so freaking awesome that we're going back to that. Using animal fats to cook. I did not have any of that until last year, really. Raw milk. I didn't drink that again until last year because I always thought that that was so terrible for us and that it should be illegal. But that's completely false. But then lastly, with reason why I have the bison logo, again, I think we're in the renaissance of bringing the bison back to how it used to be in the 1800s when there's 50, 60 million Roman in the Great Plains. Uh, and then especially after going to the conference. So it just made too much sense. And so I made these quick mock-ups. I sent them to everyone and their mother. And it was unanimous. Every single person loved the the mission, the, the branding, and the uh, I guess the goal or the direction of where I was wanting to take it. So I was able to f- luckily find an awesome graphic designer to, to make these look much better than what I had. And also I lucked out with the manufacturer of the shirts because I, I knew I did not want to do the cheap polyester garbage because those are so toxic for us. And I did not want to rely on a country like China. So trying to find American-made apparel was really tough, but I was fortunate enough for shirts that I was able to find organic cotton and it, it came out great. So overall, this is just trying to make an awareness educational movement for all those things that, that I mentioned, but also because, for example, since I was vegan for so long, this huge plant-based vegan movement is only getting bigger and bigger and pushed more on us. We're being told that animal agriculture is causing climate change, which is complete bullshit, uh, that we should reduce our meat intake, especially red meat and saturated fat and eggs and butter and all that which could not be further from the truth. So I'm pushing back to all of that and trying to make some type of movement because we are tribal by nature. So whenever people see this, oh, that makes sense because there's a lot of people that don't want to speak out against this. And uh, yeah, I guess I want to be that guy to speak out against them because I've seen firsthand whenever you follow the, the diet that we're told with seed oils, all of the ultra processed garbage that's okay, all these mock meats that are <laughs> so awful and just made in a science lab. So, yeah, I guess I'll just leave it with that. They taste great though, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's really cool because you're using this vehicle of a product to like get a movement going. And the product itself is fantastic because you're, you're so right. And I mean, we talked about this, you know, a lot is the organic cotton in the U.S. Like it just doesn't even exist. Like it's very few and far between. I mean, I was struggling last year trying to find good quality brands um, to have organic cotton and organic is important because traditional cotton that's grown industrially is, is very heavily sprayed. I think it's like top three most sprayed 
crops behind uh, soybeans and corn. Maybe you know more specifics about that. But it's, uh, yeah, and, you know, you buy stuff. It's it's made in India or it's made in China or it's made in Bulgaria or somewhere in Eastern Europe. And, yeah, it's just a waste. Like, you you want to just talk about, like, from an energy utilization perspective, all, all the clothing industry, the food industry, like, it's just a gigantic waste and we really need to get back to this like hyper local approach. And that includes clothing. But to me, it's like there's such a gap. So it's really cool that you filled, you saw this gap in terms of the product and those same principles apply. Cause obviously, you know, the materials that go into making clothes like cotton need to be farmed, um, just like, you know, food is. And, uh, using that vehicle to really get people on board with, you know, regenerative agriculture. So I, I think it's awesome. Um, and I'm glad to see it because, yeah, I personally think it's a huge gap. So I guess, you know, was that something you kind of just realized? Um, you know, I know you had known about the issues with like polyester and, and things like that, but what, was it a lot harder than you thought trying to get a U.S. based like organic cotton supply? And is this still a struggle with like, you know, future products that you want to, you know, put out there? Yeah, it's a huge struggle. So going back to just organic cotton production, America only accounts for 3% of the world's organic cotton. It's mainly China and India. I think they're like mm-hmm. 75%. Uh, so <laughs> And what does that mean? So, so just what does that mean, organic cotton? I guess that's my next question just quickly here. Just not I mean, sprayed, sprayed yeah. with something natural. Because I don't even trust organic cotton from China, like straight up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have not looked into how they, they uh, do their organic cotton production just because I really do not want to use China at all. Yeah, I might have yeah. to for organic cotton hats. The whole issue is trying to find a good price point, the colors I want, the quality itself, do they fit well? I mean, everything that you you think about whenever you're buying your own clothes too uh, has made it super challenging because I, I don't want this to be a premium product per se. I don't want 80, 90, $100 shorts. I want 50 or 40 per se. So everyone could be wearing them. And that's why the t-shirts I have are 40 rather than, yeah, some that I see are 80 for the same quality. So that was extremely challenging um, because essentially if, I, if Farm Fresh didn't work, I honestly don't know what I would have done because I had tried so many samples that were organic cotton and they were either really expensive or just not good at all. They didn't look good. Uh, they didn't really feel that great. So I really lucked out with that for sure. And in terms of for the future, it's also tough because I'm planning to do shorts. They're not going to be organic cotton at the start. But what I'm trying to do long term, it's going to be a huge process. I'm, I'm wanting to leverage my business to incentivize farmers to start growing their own organic cotton so we can bring some of that production back to the U.S. And so we don't rely on everywhere else. Because essentially, we obviously used to have all of this cotton production and the apparel industry was made in the U.S. But as I think it was in the 60s or 70s, we began to outsource to essentially Asia because it was obviously way cheaper uh, industrial made and whatnot. So that's why our apparel industry is so messed up now because hardly any of the apparel is made in the U S and especially grown in the U S. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's, it's like, we often say this thing about food. We said it yesterday when we were podcasting with Gubba Homestead. Um, the food prices have been held like so artificially low because of subsidies, industrial farming, 
And I think for clothing, it might even be worse. I think clothing prices have been held so artificially low, fast fashion, because people in Indonesia and China are getting paid cents on the hour to work this, you know, industrial raised product through the equipment and, you know, sold to like H&M and all these, you know, Walmart, like a t-shirt shouldn't cost $10. Like there's no way that even economically makes sense. And, you know, when you put on like one of your shirts for 40 bucks, uh, which $40 isn't even a lot of money today, sadly enough, but you know, it's high quality. If you take care of it, like it's going to last you a longer time. We don't need like, yeah, like Ryan was saying, it's like, yeah, I, I wore I, that. Those are the only shirts like I, I, I need to wear. Like I cycle through a few shirts like this whole summer or not wearing a shirt. Like you don't need 25 shirts in your closet. Like I have so many shirts just from over the years accumulating. A lot of them are, you know, synthetic fabrics I just don't wear anymore. And it's such a waste. So I, I just wanted to comment that because I think it's like, again, the sticker shock that like, people need to get over and when you do have this like more quality product you should be willing to pay for it and if you buy half the amount of shirts you can pay twice the amount well and i was just gonna i was gonna couple on that really quick before you jump back in ryan because i was gonna say i think we just lit like you guys well ryan doesn't see me every day but tristan you see me pretty often i'm basically wearing the same shirt every day too um, or a variation of that shirt. I basically, and the thing is, I think if a normal person just reflects on this for a moment, they too generally cycle through like five or six shirts, maybe. Like I think on average, at least for dudes, I think we kind of cycle through the same things. But if you look in my closet at my house, it's full. It's full of stuff that I've never worn or wore once. And we live in this time since about, I think the period that you're post-World War II of, of American excess. Um, so we, we think of American exceptionalism, but I, I look at it as like American excessism. But um, we have all this stuff and it's, it's, everything is held under this artificial sort of two-legged stool, I feel like. And we're sort of seeing cracks in it the last couple years. But I just think people like live in this false reality of abundance that is artificially held there. And I think like Ryan, you have that similar perspective. So it, it, it requires that mindset shift of sort of need versus want. Cause I'm amazed at how much crap people own. Like at my folks house in the basement, just, just boxes that have been there since they moved there in 2010 yeah. and never unpacked. Um, but, and then you just accumulate more. And the thing is, people talk about sort of the like weight, like income disparity and all this sort of stuff. But it's like, even if you don't have a very good income, like somehow you still have all this shit. Like you still have all this junk and you don't use like 85% of it. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing what you can accumulate. Um, we're like, maybe it's not everybody, but in my like life, it's like everyone has a dumpster in their house just of junk. They may not yeah. be full of dirt or mold or anything, but it's just like you're sitting in a dumpster. You're basically, uh, yeah, it's amazing how much waste we produce. And so everything from my mindset shifted to like a minimalist, like how can everything work in a cycle? And this goes back to nature of how can we put things back into a cycle? And that's like regenerative agriculture. That sort of is, you know, trying to emulate that. But I'll let you jump in, Ryan, because I knew you had a thought. Yeah. So I guess two of those, this, the first thing is, 
we stop thinking long term about pretty much everything, especially as technology advances, uh, especially with phones. It just rewires our brain for just quick dopamine. And so you see that $10 shirt and you buy it immediately, but you don't think long term about the quality of it. And like Tristan was saying, just how long it will last. And that bleeds into just all these other industries. And then the second thing was really funny about the price point. <laughs> so I've been reaching out to a lot of regenerative farmers and ranchers to, I guess you could say collab with them. My whole goal is just highlighting what they do and trying to get more people just to see the day-to-day behind scenes of what a lot of these places do. One farmer, <laughs> she got really mad and actually sent a really disrespectful email to me saying that I was just using them to sell uh, expensive shirts. But it's just interesting because they can't eat, like she couldn't even see what I was trying to do and didn't see the value and the type of apparel. I was just using them for clout, which I thought was hysterical. <laughs> that's wild. But I guess that's sort of like the, the, um, you're, you're all, you always meet some of those. I think, I think actually here's an interesting question too, because I think you're sort of like, uh, the best way to help other people get on board with ideas is sort of lead by example. At least that, that's what I found to be true with like health stuff. You can't, you can't, you, you can't just like spout things at people. I think it like usually creates a wall because they get defensive and they have all these like beliefs that they build up over years. Totally valid. I mean, I've been there too. Um, how do you, I, I think, I think I know your answer, but like, how do you continue to engage with, with farmers and just people in general to, to tap into that 1% to create change. Cause like I said, we've had this conversation before where we've asked a guest like, well, how do you get people to change their minds? And truthfully on a mass scale, super difficult. And it may not even be what the goal should be. It should be trying to tap the 1% who are probably curious or the 5%. But how do we continue to do that? Um, I think the answers are like going and meeting with them, like head yeah. on, like working with them head on, um, showing that you want to help them build value. But I sort of, I just wondered if you have any, any other like exterior things that you've been doing uh, with your shirts and stuff like that. But I think like going to farmer's markets and stuff like that and meeting the people, that's really where you start to create growth. I know Tristan's been out there basically handing out Bitcoin books to farmers at farmer's markets, <laughs> his Bitcoin book, I should say. Um, yeah. but, uh, but that's like a great way to start conversation. And I feel like that's a hugely undervalued uh, skill in today's modern era where everyone communicates seemingly only online and at least in masses, I think face-to-face interaction is huge. Even if you're just talking to one or two people, like word of mouth is still such a valuable, uh, like skill to bring about a, a change, um, that I think needs to be utilized more. I'd say the number one thing that you could do is to volunteer for a day and actually work on the farm and do everything that they would normally be doing. Not just doing the little cutesy stuff of, oh, milking just one cow, but actually doing everything that they do day-to-day basis. Because just that one day will open up your eyes to realizing just how much is needed to, to work. Because then it makes you think about, okay, if I wasn't here, that person's going to have to pick up everything that I was just doing. Um, because with agriculture, and again, going back to saying something that's just easy to get a VA position, they are in desperate need of help. So they are severely understaffed, probably world, I mean, worldwide, but especially here, every farm and ranch could use help. So that would be the biggest thing. And then the same thing would just be having conversations with them and just hearing their stories because we have all these preconceived notions about farmers and ranchers 
And a lot of those are wrong. Um, I mean, I was wrong about a lot of that stuff because I remember growing up, there was a rural, semi-rural town nearby where they would have bring your tractor to school day. And I used to think they were so uneducated and just hicks. And I just realized they're just having fun with that. And there's just a lot of little examples like that whenever you talk to talk to them and just hearing their story is the biggest thing. And then once you actually have the food that they produce and realize just how much better it is and how much work and love went into all of that, you gain so much respect for them. And it also going to the price point too, because now you go into grocery stores and you see $5 a pound for ground beef that was fed in a, a confinement lot where they were fed rubber tires and Skittles and all kinds of other garbage. Uh, it messes with your mind of how you perceive the, I guess the price, but then just the quality because you're going to have to pay more for uh, for these quality products. For example, if you want to get raw milk, a lot of times it's $18, $20 a gallon. Why would I want to spend that versus however much it is in the stores now for our pasteurized, just disgusting milk? So you have to really think, again, big picture, long term, but then pair that together with hands-on experience, whether that be the actual conversations or working on the farm. Yeah, I think I think the low time preference mindset is is, is huge, um, and you know we've talked at length here about like nutrient density and why it's actually worth it to pay more for higher quality, you know, food as well as like we just said with with the clothing, like it's you know higher quality is is worth it. Um, you actually end up spending less in the long term probably um, for clothes, but for the low time preference in general. So you know you said. And I know you accepted Bitcoin on your site, which is probably probably the only organic cotton apparel company that accepts Bitcoin, I would imagine. So that's it's, a huge... It's got to be like one of the only clothing companies that accepts Bitcoin. <laughs> Besides, you know, just there's plenty of Bitcoin shirts out there. They're just like basic Gildan or whatever with like a Bitcoin logo on it or something. So um, how did you get drawn to Bitcoin? You know, how does that... It obviously meshes well with everything else you're doing, but kind of when did that occur and when did you realize this was like all a part of a greater, you know, decentralized mindset, low time preference mindset? Because for me, it's like, yeah, once you look through this lens once, you pretty much got the goggles on for the rest of your life. Very, very true. So again, I was very lucky to have my brother. He he was harping on me about it for a couple of years. And this is fairly early on, but like others, I just thought it was really stupid. I didn't have obviously any understanding of what it was because I didn't even have a basic understanding of economics or how our world operates and how humans operate. So he just kept pushing me about that. And then I'd say it was around 2015 or 2016, I watched the first or the only two episodes of Andreas Antonopoulos on Joe Rogan, and he gave concrete examples of his background in Greece and just their history. And that really got the, I guess the wheel spin in my head. And I guess just after that, the more I would just research and watch other YouTube videos of other experts. Uh, it just made a lot of sense. And it was around, I think it was summer of 2017 is when I first bought Bitcoin. And after that, it was just no looking back because like Tristan, like you were saying, once I started thinking about that, yeah, it changed how I completely viewed the rest of my life in terms of long-term thinking. And how has like the reception been uh, accepting it on your your website? Um, 
is it been challenging? Is it pretty easy? Like do Bitcoiners, usually they flock towards anything that's kind of like a niche thing where they can, you know, support other Bitcoiners. So I'm curious how you've, how that's gone for you. This is crazy. So my brother's birthday is June 14th and that's the only day I've ever gotten any payments from Bitcoin. Uh, I've only had one order from that. So that's just a crazy sign for me because that day was obviously heavy, but it was just cool to see that. There have been a lot of Bitcoiners that like it. I guess this has been the challenge too, is circulating your Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the next step. But it's been really cool to see, especially on Twitter, the Bitcoin community, they like to support others. So I would say right now they're still using fiat, which that's fine with me. I'm not, because even if I had Bitcoin right now, I'd still have to use it again to just reinvest into the business. So I can't even technically still hold the Bitcoin, even if I got it. Um, but overall, yeah, the reception from them have been amazing because with Bitcoiners and how they think whenever they think about health and what's going on with just the food system, then they just go down the same rabbit hole. We've all gone down with health and that's the same rabbit hole that their Renaissance really stands for. So it makes a lot of sense that they would be behind something like that. And so the reception has been great because it hasn't even been two months yet. It's been almost two months, but the fact that it's been such a short time and they've had a lot of support has been pretty sweet. That's awesome. Well, hopefully we get some more Bitcoin orders. I know the next one I'm going to do definitely going to spend some corn. I need a tank top <laughs> because these t-shirts, it's too dang hot now. Um, but yeah, no, it's cool. And I, I think, uh, yeah, growing that circular economy, like you said, it's so important. Even if you don't accept it, and we've had, you know, farmers, ranchers on here and, you know, Again, it's just growing that awareness and getting people experience like, you know, how many people own Bitcoin have never, you know, really sent a transaction or, you know, actually like utilize the network or use the lightning network. I think it's all part of the growth that that needs to happen to kind of test it out. And it's awesome that, you know, I think you're using like a strike uh, Shopify plugin, right? So I've been yeah. looking into that as well. Uh, to get it on our Bison Ranch website. And it's, yeah, it's, it the, you know, infrastructure is being built. So it, it is easier to use because two years ago that didn't exist. Um, so it, it's cool to see this kind of coming to fruition um, in, in general. But I'm curious going back to like, you know, the health um, system and just everything that happened to you. Like how, how is your perspective evolved these past few months now that you're feeling a lot better and are there things that have moved the needle more for you um kind of what's like your your outlook on you know optimizing your health right now because it's obviously you know still a work in progress for for all of us striving for improvements not perfection but since i last talked to you you've, you've kind of yeah gone through a lot so I'm, I'm curious how you seem to be in a lot better shape now which is awesome yeah. So I didn't even mention I destroyed my body after my brother died because I was just emotionally eating. And I, even leading up to that, I didn't eat at all whenever I was my brother's caretaker. Um, I remember whenever I first got back to Austin, I weighed 124 pounds. So I was in really bad shape. And then I just started eating really awful food. So I developed really bad gut issues. And with my PTSD, that stress and whatnot worsened everything because I was freaking out thinking I had colon cancer. There were multiple times I went to, drove myself to the ER or not uh, yeah, to the ER. Um, 
So I couldn't figure out what was going on. And the healthcare system failed me miserably for the next couple of years because I probably spent 30 grand at least on tests and whatnot for them to still not figure out what was going on and tell me that I had an over acidic stomach when in fact I had a low acidic stomach. So there's just a lot of things like that that just made me so angry because um, they also failed my brother in a lot of ways too. Uh, yeah. So I did a bunch of tests, all kinds of colonoscopies, endoscopies, stool tests, blood tests. Still couldn't figure out what was going on. So my health actually worsened when I got on the farm because I still couldn't figure out what was going on. I remember I went to a gastro in a nearby town. The first thing I said when I walked in was, don't prescribe me antiacids based off of everything I gave her. And she jokingly checked off the box on her paper saying that was my first line of defense. And that I've already questioned a lot of stuff, but that was just, okay, I'm not relying on bullshit like that anymore. Cause if it, all they do is go by the textbook and they can't think for themselves at all. And I noticed this time and time and time again. So I tried to do independent and I found a guy through YouTube cause I had convinced myself I had SIBO and that was the only way I could get a SIBO test. Fortunately, I did not have that because that is freaking terrible. Small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. But even working with him, he still I still could not figure out what was going on. So I hired another guy, Alejandro AD from Twitter, and he had me take a full extensive blood panel for vitamins and minerals to find out what I was deficient in, a thyroid panel. Those two things answered everything for all of my issues that I've had the previous three years. And not a single doctor recommended me doing any of that. That's where I found out I had Hashimoto's. So that made so much sense why I could barely function on the farm. I had no energy because that just worsened everything. I was deficient in quite a few vitamins and minerals. So then I started tackling those. And then it still got worse. I mean, that was the reason why I went to the ER in January because I was doing so much traveling. I was... uh, doing a lot of manual labor with the farm because that worsens your Hashimoto's because Hashimoto's essentially is just a worse form of hypothyroidism. It's freaking terrible. Uh, I still have it and I'm fortunately healing from, but I'd say the biggest things that I've improved on that have helped everything with my health because I'm still physically exhausted, but mentally I'm the best I've ever been in my life despite all this stuff. That's because I'm finally in one single location. I've been in Austin pretty much most of this year now and plan to be here for a while. I really focused in on my social life because I had realized how much that played an effect in me. Not even because I all my social was through Twitter and online. I still met people as I was traveling, but I wasn't with that select friend group locally to where I had those friends. And so after two and a half years of not really doing that, that helped immensely. Just getting outside, I probably walk 13 or 14,000 steps a day because I can't lift or do anything just yet with Hashimoto's, but just doing a lot of grounding and walking outside has been immense. And then focusing on my diet, which is really simple right now. I just eat meat, eggs, uh, shellfish, raw honey, and fruit, and then occasionally raw carrots. And that's pretty much all I stick to right now. And that's, I know over time I'll eventually heal from Hashimoto's and everything with my gut and bloat. So yeah, that's been my biggest factor. And then I remember Ryan, you were mentioning about somatic breath work. That was another thing that I've implemented because you definitely store your trauma in your body without realizing that. When I was on the farm and still couldn't figure out what was going on with my health, uh, the owners were helping me a lot too. And they had this 
lady in town that does Reiki sessions. I had no idea what the hell Reiki was at the time. And so I went in and did that. And she mentioned I had a lot of negative energy stored in my gut and lower body. And that you have to find a way to release it, whether it be yelling out in the woods or something. But I've been able to do that through somatic breath work. And that is a huge thing that also isn't talked about. Unfortunately, we have guys like Michael Amons that are going to start bringing that to the limelight because it's so huge. Um, because you do store a lot of negative trauma in your body without realizing it. And the longer that goes on, the harder, the harder it is to, I guess, really fix and the more work you have to put in. So more breath work that I've been doing, I do that every single day now, whether it be Wim Hof or just normal breathing with meditation, that stuff is immense because you feel, yeah, you just feel amazing. You feel like you're floating afterwards and your mind's more clear and so you could just go about your day. And overall, I'd say all those things. Yeah, that's how I'm starting to finally get better. It's definitely an accumulative effect. Like I've found and I've had discussions with a lot of people that it's usually never just one angle of attack that you need to take when you have such a massive endeavor. I think the biggest one for me, and I think you've realized this yourself too, is that with something like Hashimoto's, I, I never, I don't have Hashimoto's, but I've had hypothyroidism. Uh, I was on like medication for like several, like two or three years. And then I've finally been able to get off it this year. But um, it was one of those things where it was a result of you can push yourself too hard in a physical manner, but you can also be pushing yourself too hard from a purely mental perspective. And both of these drive up your sympathetic nervous system. And I think so so many of us live in fight or flight without even knowing it. You may not even be working out. You may just have a desk job, nine to five, like my dad, but you're so stressed from just that, that you're never, you never come down and you have these inordinate cortisol spikes. And there's no just one simple angle of attack for those things. Like it's, it's usually a multitude of things with diet and, and the way you breathe. I mean, the way you move, um, your light environment, grounding, like it's, it's all these things. And so I think that's like a really important point to, to get out to people is like, it's, it's never usually one, one thing. I actually want to ask you, like for people that are out there, this is like a different thing. Cause you, everyone has to, I, it sucks. Cause I feel like if you're really sick, we all go through the same motions. Like it's almost having the same conversation with everyone that's ever been sick. And okay. then finally got to where we are with the mindset and where we've had to do is like, you go all to the, go to, go to all the doctors. You do every single test known to man. Uh, I've had an endoscopy and a colonoscopy at the same time. Uh, so I've been there like trying to figure out like gut stuff. Um, mm -hmm. nothing came back and it makes you wonder like how much of what am I, am I doing in this conventional setting is even valuable? Like, am I just like spending money? Like, and I was like tens and tens of thousands of dollars over mm -hmm. years. Um, and then you come out of it and you're like, man, I could have just done this, but how, what would be a first step? Like if someone's listening, like, and they want to break that cycle, like how do they find, like, like you found someone on Twitter, like, how do you find that direction because i that's like another stop gap i find for people is they they get overwhelmed with the process but i think you need to be comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable and that you have to kind of figure some stuff out for yourself but if you have any sort of tips on like what to look for in a practitioner or these things that sort of get them on the right path because you've been through it i think that would be valuable there are holistic in-person doctors i've never done that before so i can't give insight on that so mine's purely just from online, just using the keywords of whatever symptoms you're having, because that's what I first did on YouTube. I thought I had just a laundry list of issues uh, that I eventually thought it was SIBO. 
And then one of the guys that was actually making those videos, I had just reached out to him and went from there. And then I guess as that continued on, it just bled over to Twitter as I was just finding people in the spaces, whether it be holistic health, esoteric health, uh, and then just using keywords as that, seeing what they they share, because a lot of these people practice what they preach. So for example, the guy that was, I found on YouTube, he had SIBO himself and he healed himself from that. So he had that skin in the game. And Alejandro AD had awful gut issues that, that uh, I guess the healthcare where he was at failed him too. So he took it on himself to heal himself. And now he is just so engrossed with all that, does his own research. And so there's a lot of people like that to where they just themselves were failed. So they took it upon themselves to, to heal and now want to help others. And so there's a lot of people like that. You just have to search and it does take time. And you also might, it might not work out the first time. Like I was saying, it took me two two people to hire to finally figure out what was going on and make those small improvements. Yeah. I mean, I think people need to have the courage. I don't know if the courage is part of it, but it's sort of like you got to be okay with knowing you're going to make a mistake. You may hire the wrong person, may not work out. Like you mentioned, in-person practitioners, the first practitioner I ever worked with was local. And I thought he had good intentions, like great stuff, but it didn't get me anywhere, really. I just kind of took more tests and just knew I had more problems. But you, you need to just, the thing is, you need to be comfortable with making mistakes because that's how you're going to learn. And that's how ultimately you're going to get to where you want to be. And you got to be okay with the process. And I feel like a lot of people with like the quick dopamine hit lifestyle we live in, where we're used to going to the doctor, getting a pill for an ailment or an antibiotic, and then it's done or whatever. And you don't know about the damage you're doing, but it's over. Like it's the, all you got to do. Uh, you're used to the 15 minute doctor visit. Well, it may take 90 minutes of sitting down with someone telling them your life story. And then you realize you have all this stuff, including trauma that is causing a host of issues. And so it's, it's really learning that your body is complex. It's never just like a simple solution per se. I love when it is though, but, uh, but it's, I think, I think patience is the virtue in cases like this. That's so true. I mean, whenever I was on the farm, I was changing my diet, like constant. I thought maybe if I just got rid of vegetables and then I did full carnivore and I wasn't being patient at all. And that was a big awakening too, was I was changing too many things all the time. Nothing was working and I was getting very angry and lost. But then also what was great, it was disappointing at the time, but great at the same time. For example, whenever I did that SIBO test, you still learn from that. I learned, okay, I don't have SIBO. It's something else. That's still important. And so you got to you gotta take those and, and value that as well, um, as frustrating as it is. Totally agree. I mean, I know Tristan and I have been through a lot of that. Yeah, I mean... It all comes back to the mindset as well, right? Like, I think if you harbor this, like, positive, innate thought that you can accomplish things and you will get better, like, you know, that's what dealing with chronic pain is all about. It's kind of getting out of that negative feedback loop. And, yeah, I don't know if it'll be out at this point, but we did, I did talk with Michael about all this. And, yeah, it's really powerful stuff. And um, it's something, you know, coming from a background of, like, concussions and things like that, yeah, it's you know, these invisible, um, you know, pain loops that we're stuck in. And, and we are, you know, we're energetic beings, right? So we can harbor traumatic events and get stuck in these places very easily. If uh, And then that blocks, you know, a lot of communication or it just causes a lot of chaos in our body um, and distracts it really. Like it just takes 
priority over, you know, optimal function because that's, you know, our nervous system is just stuck in this sympathetic state. So all these things, the way I see it is unless you like, you're really not going to heal fully unless you deal with this stuff first. And it doesn't matter what diet, you know, obviously if you clean up your diet, like, you know, you're going to stop pouring gasoline on, on a already burning fire, but you have to put the fire out first. So you have to find where those, you know, switches are and, and try and flip those off whether it be through breath work, meditation, you know, dealing with that trauma, talking about it, um, you know, releasing negative energy, screaming in the woods. That sounds awesome. Maybe I need to do more <laughs> of that next time I'm backpacking. But I'm not going to lie. It's great. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> these all matter. Like it's not, that's why, you know, it is holistic health, right? It's like all encompassing. And if you think that one thing, diet or exercise is going to like fix you, and especially that's like clearly what you've seen, like it's, it's going to help, but it's not, you know, that's just like one aspect of it. And it's really multifaceted. Everyone's situation is different and some far more complex than others, but you kind of have to take this high level view of what is health and apply that to your situation. And, you know, that's, what's really empowering when we can share more and more of these stories because then people are going to be, oh, you know, I tried X, Y, and Z, but maybe I haven't worked on my, you know, trauma from 20 years ago or, you know, tried, you know, these types of things that are a bit more intangible, like hard to grasp, um, because oftentimes they can be the missing link and they yeah. are less talked about because they're less conceptual, they're less fact science you know they're not core in biochemistry so someone can like, explain it to you with some research studies which doesn't mean anything about its uh, efficacy as a treatment so just want to highlight yeah. that well i was gonna say i mean that's spot on too with not tackling the root cause because that was what was so frustrating when i was on the farm that was the healthiest i'd ever eaten i mean i was eating 100 percent of my diet from the farm but i was still having awful health issues and that's just because I didn't realize I had Hashimoto's. So obviously working on a farm with all that stress, not working on the trauma that I had stored in my body, it still didn't really matter. Um, and it wasn't until I figured that out and tackling all of that, which is everything that I'm doing now is tackling that and seeing major improvements, especially compared to then. Because there are so many times where I broke down just because my health was so bad, despite only eating extremely healthy food. <laughs> That's where patience comes in. And also it's like, you gotta, you gotta decide too. like, how far do you want to go? Like, do you want to settle at 80%? Like we had a discussion really early on in the podcast with Ryan Carter and do you want an A or, an, or a C? Are you okay with eating a seed raid with your health? Then you'll get a C result. It's like, how far do you want to go? And that's something that everybody has to just make that decision. Tristan and I, and you seem to be pretty ruthless in pursuit. So you're kind of willing to push the push the bar if you need to but everybody's got to make that decision for themselves mm -hmm. agreed but i mean you've had quite the gnarly journey we're sort of coming up on the tail end of our our pod here but uh i kind of wanted to um round this all out with sort of a it's it's sort of a mindset discussion but i've been thinking about it a lot as we've had basically we've basically covered nuances like health business and then like lifestyle and all this stuff. But I, I find that you learn so much about yourself and you learn how resilient you really are, even when you're still struggling, like the human body is insane. So I'd love just on, on a positive note, maybe just sort of like 
what are some strengths that you found in yourself through all of the stuff you've been through since the very beginning that you maybe didn't even know you had? I, I'm just trying to give some motivation out there. Yeah. Because it's a lot. I mean, yeah, you no, take control you, your health, take control your business. Like it's yeah. a lot of stuff. You're right in the sense that deep down, kind of like I was saying that my mental and whatnot, I was ahead of the curve on a lot of things, but I was so, I still was scared and, and cowardly. This, I guess, woke up to realizing how strong I really am. Um, Cause we are way stronger than we realize. It just requires an insane amount of effort, which is the difficult thing. But once that, I don't know if you want to say once it clicks or whatnot, but I guess for me, it did click. Um, I just didn't want to go back to how I used to be too. So I guess the biggest awakening for me too, I'm not the smartest guy at all. I'm definitely not the strongest, but I have got more heart than a lot of people. And I wear that on my sleeve. And that's what carries me in life is, is that, um, I don't know if that best answers your question, but that's, that's what I'll get for that. No, that's great. I mean, that's it, 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 that I feel the very same way. It's sort of like I have this ruthless inner just like drive to be better in any capacity. I think the hardest lesson, maybe you've had to learn this too, is like sometimes to take a step forward, you got to take a step back in some aspect. Yeah. And that's hard because we live in that culture of even even in our community, it seems like everyone's like, oh my gosh, everyone's doing all this stuff. Like this person's got a podcast and a channel and a TikTok and they're selling shirts and they're doing all, it's like, how do they manage all that stuff? And I find that in the creator, the creator economy really fascinating because I'll go to summits for video and you'll just see these people giving talks and like uh, Mr. Beast is an example because he runs a conference that I go to every year, but you see him and I'm like, how the hell are you doing all this stuff? But then you realize like, oh, underneath they've really been suffering with all this crap because they've been doing too much stuff. And so it's sort of like finding that where's your balance, you know what I mean? And that's pretty, that's pretty difficult, but I think, yeah. uh, I think it's achievable. It's just sort of like, you really got to have everything in a line, your, your dominoes in a row. Um, otherwise everything can come crashing down if one of them falls, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're, you're right for taking a step back because I think that was also another thing. Um, especially now it wasn't until probably last month that I've realized just how, much stuff I've gone through the last couple of years. So it actually took others to reassure me, like the fact that what I'm doing now takes a lot of strength. And I had a tough time accepting that just because it's probably just my inner insecurities just from my up as I, how, how I was as a child and as a teenager and whatnot. But t taking a really big step back and reflecting on all of that definitely rein reinforced, I guess, the thinking that how strong I, I was through all of that. Yeah, I think, it, well, it's incredible because, yeah, like you're saying, you kind of, if you reflect on how far you've come, like, you know, when I was first healing from my concussion, I was like, if I could just get 20% better, 30% better than here, it'd be incredible, right? And then you get to there and then you keep going, but you need to reflect and look back at how far you've come, especially if you're going through a period that's, you know, challenging now. Because you're, you can just empower yourself from what you've already accomplished. And it's easy to get caught up in the compare to others, especially in the social media realm. Uh, like Ryan saying, you know, people are doing so many things and yada, yada. And I need to try this. I need to be a coach. I need to do this. I need to make podcasts. Like, I need, like you need to just sit back and, you know, say, how can my unique experience and my passions contribute um, to this space? And... 
everyone is capable of finding something. I mean, literally, you went from thinking you're going to be on a bison ranch to, you know, launching a, a, a pretty successful, I would say so far, you know, apparel brand because you just, you know, identified something you're passionate about, saw a gap in the market for, you know, American uh, apparel companies using organic natural fibers and just dove in. And that's the only way you're going to find out. So I would say if anyone is, is looking for, you know, where they fit in a community like this, there's always something that you can contribute that, someone hasn't brought to the table and don't try and be someone else be authentic be yourself people resonate with authenticity they they resonate with you know realness and that's something as well you know especially like an apparel company it's like wow you know so many of these apparel companies especially like outdoors ones and ones that are like do have some cool like organic fibers they're like super woke and you know people don't resonate with that so i find myself all the time when i'm like wearing all this patagonia shit i'm like wow i feel like such a jabroni because i don't even <laughs> like patagonia's gone off the deep end but you know they yeah. have organic fibers and like i respect that but when your brand stands for something that really people resonate with and of course you know our audience resonates with then it's even more so um, spreading that movement. So I just want to say that to everyone. It's, it is empowering and, and there's always something for you to contribute, but it needs to be authentic. So Ryan, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And um, where can people find what you're working on and what's coming soon from Lava Renaissance? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram right now. Just the Renaissance. And the website is just therenaissance.co. And my personal Twitter is just my name. I think it's Ryan underscore Griggs. And what we've got lined up, so we've got some shorts coming out, hopefully in the coming month. Still working on trying to, to finalize that. And then hats after that. And then a bunch of other stuff I got planned too. I'm really stoked for the rest of the year for this. Can you make some underwear too? <laughs> or swimming yeah, swimming yeah, what should. is like something for swimming i just end up swimming in my boxers mostly because like finding like all natural uh, you know they don't dry fast that's the problem but <laughs> yeah no they don't that's a good point i haven't but i'm excited for the, sh- the shorts and the hats that's gonna be awesome well thank you so much ryan this has been a pleasure we'll have to ra- uh, link all that in the the show notes as well because i've had sometimes spelling issues trying to google regenesance <laughs> but that's also my personal cognitive struggles so all right everyone thanks so much thanks ryan and thanks for tuning in to another episode of decentralized radio see you next time have a good one